Jessica, this marks three straight Valley Polity podcasts. Uh, first, your initial thoughts on three straight. Feeling pretty good about it so far. Okay. I mean, we've had a, a bit of a switch up from doing it every other week to having a very long gap, but this seems a lot easier to manage, which is, you know, odd in a way, but and we're little, doing it. And a little bit of a format switch, uh, as though it, as, as the weeks go on, we, we do hope to, they, for you to have in some guests other than me setting you up with uh, things to talk about uh, when it comes to Valley politics and the 2020 Virginia General Assembly session. Hey, that's a nice segue. That is a nice segue, yes. Uh, Give us a quick update. Uh, Everything we've been talking about has really been kind of three things. We've been talking about uh, guns, which everyone's been talking about. Uh, We've been talking about the ERA, uh, which passed uh, in Virginia. And we've been talking about uh, marijuana. So give us an update in those three. Why don't we start with, uh, I mean, Monday is uh, shaping up to be an interesting day down in Richmond with the uh, as a lobby day and a lot of uh, Second Amendment uh, supporters heading down to Richmond. And it's just been kind of a lot going on with the governor. Yes. So on Monday, I mean, this is nothing new. The Virginia Citizens Defense League has always hold their lobby day on January 20th and held a rally it's just this go around, you know, before we were going into the session, we had all these words and conceptions going around that there's going to be a lot of gun bills and people were going to be harming on the Second Amendment and your rights. So this go around, it's a lot more people expecting to come. And it's not just Virginia. It's people outside of the state coming in. And, you know, it because it's different this go around, we don't quite know what to expect and but we know there's going to be a, a thousands upon thousands of people and because every day leading up seems to be just more talk about it so on Wednesday this past Wednesday the governor Ralph Northam uh, declared a state of emergency in Richmond from Friday to Tuesday ahead of this rally opposing gun control legislation in Virginia and because that happened, that led to Virginia Citizens Defense League to file a lawsuit, which was challenged on Thursday, but the Richmond Circuit Court backed Northam's order. So, you know, there's still something going on with the courts there and figuring out, you know, are is Northam allowed to do this? But so far, the barriers are still going up on the Capitol and they're putting security measures out. Everyone will be screened when they get near, and there's only one way in to the Capitol. So it's going to be very tight if there's so many people there. And uh, as of this morning, uh, the that, that case is now with the state Supreme Court, and a ruling has not come down as we record this at 2.08 p.m. though that could happen tonight that could happen tomorrow that could happen at some point before monday so in terms of the the these law these potential laws uh that has uh second amendment uh supporters uh, a little bit on edge you know where are we at updating those well we've seen a few come through um some subcommittees and committees in the house and senate um earlier this week on uh, monday we had um, probably the one that was the most controversial, the assault weapons ban. That was taken off by the request of the person who sponsored it, was, which was Senator Sasslaw. So that one will no longer be considered. It's gone at this point. But we did have the one handgun a month 
pass nine to five in the Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee and the universal background check passed same nine to five and the red flag law was reported to full Senate floor same nine to five. So, you know, when we're going into these subcommittees meetings and people are going to be voting on it, it's I mean, we're still on that party line vote, but because Democrats have control, things are moving out and moving forward more than they ever could beforehand. And are these the, these are the three uh, now that the assault weapons ban is has been taken off? Uh, are those other three the one hand government month, universal background checks, and the red flag laws? Are are those the main st- points of contention for Second Amendment supporters? Yeah, I mean, that's those are the ones. I mean, they're getting off the ground, so there's going to be a lot of talk about it. And, I mean, this is going on both House and Senate. These bills are happening through. But I think what's going to start causing some more conversations is who are voting, who are the people voting to pass these um, legislations? Because we're seeing our own Senator Hanger here in the Valley. He's voting in favor for these, and he's stepping out at the his party lines to move in favor. You know, he's not the only person. There's a Henrico senator also voting along with him and stepping out of party lines. But, you know, that could cause some controversy, too, as to whether, you know, how many people are going to step out of the box and, you know, are they representing their constituents? And uh, Jessica will be uh, out bright and early Monday morning. We're talking like 4 a.m. Uh, yes. To, to talk to folks from Rockingham County who are boarding the bus to head down to lobby day so uh, you all can follow her on twitter at at wetzler underscore jessica for all that information if you just happen to be up at four o'clock in the morning uh, moving along uh, the era the equal rights amendment wednesday both the house and senate passed it uh with uh, senate Emmett hanger uh the only valley legislator voting in favor but he was a co-patron so that's kind of was expected the you know supporters believe that this will allow it to be ratified in the U.S. Constitution, but but there's been a legal opinion put out by the U.S. Justice Department that's saying it's too late to ratify the ERA. So we're kind of in this questionable stage of you know, I mean, the House and Senate have passed the ERA. Virginia has not necessarily been the 38th and final state because it still has to go flip-flop in the other House and Senate, and they have to go through pretty much a second time. But it's like, after all this work, you know, what's it going to go to? If the legal opinion now, which, I mean, it's still an opinion, is saying it's too late, what's going to happen, whether it's weeks or days, when the other side of the parties and House and Senate go through with this and Virginia does become the 38th and final? What's, what's to come after that? And then, but at the very least, is it on the books in the state of Virginia? Yeah, it's on the books. I mean, it's going to happen pretty much. I mean, the bills were identical when they were introduced, and you know, it's just a matter of flipping it over and how soon is it going to be. So it's pretty. You got like pretty much a ninety nine point nine percent chance of it's going to go through. You know, save that zero point one percent chance to who knows at this point. But you know, Virginia will eventually pass ERA. And and then it comes into a fight on the national level to yes. see whether or not it's it's an amendment to the constitution. Yes, and if we can if it's hasn't expired or if it's too late or if we're gonna have to start all over again. And when it comes to marijuana, uh, it looks like uh, marijuana laws uh, might have uh, smoked itself because 
not a lot getting done there. I mean, it's just sitting down watching the family guy and, and drinking frescas. That's all the marijuana laws seem to be doing. Yeah, there's, I mean, the I've been checking just to see because, you know, we, we've kind of been so focused on the gun legislation era that's happened this week. And it's kind of consumed everything that's happening in the General Assembly that when you think of, oh, wait, there's a bunch of marijuana legislation and you forget about it. And there's... Still sitting in committees. They haven't really been heard. They haven't been taken to a vote. Some aren't even assigned yet. So it's kind of a question of, you know, is this going to be happening or is it just going to become like just washed up in the background? Stunning that marijuana legislation is uh, forgetting what to do in the short term. It's uh, short-term memory appears to be shot, and that shouldn't surprise anybody uh, when it comes to marijuana legislation. Uh, hey, let's put our attention on uh, on agriculture for a, uh, a hot minute, if you will. Uh, in the words of Tony Wilt, the ag community needs some attention, and you got a story in Saturday's paper that kind of puts a little bit of attention on the ag community you're talking it's this beehive distribution program wilt filed a bill that would change the process of that give us a quick rundown yes so this is something that wilt has done before in 2018 he changed how this would work and instead of it being like a grant process he made it a program and you know because there was this i spoke with him yesterday on thursday over on the phone and he said you know beforehand there was just this big pot of money that people could apply for and get. And so in 2018, he put out to make it to where instead you're getting money, you're getting that equipment to do all these beehives and you're prepared to take it on. But when that passed and when the program first went in July 2018, there was such a high demand for it that they had to stop taking applications. There were over 2,000 applications submitted to get these equipment and beehives so they've kind of just been at a standstill. So now Wilt is looking to change the process behind this to where it's more based on merit as whether you can receive this equipment rather than a first-come, 1st first serve process. And also limiting to um, those who apply, they can get three beehive units per household per year. Because he was saying, you know, before there were some cases where, you know, you would have a household that has a wife, a husband, maybe some children, and they would all individually apply for this program. So they're getting double the amount of equipment and beehives than someone who's just on their own. So we want to make it a little bit more fair for everyone else. And so he's making some changes there. It's not some huge changes, but it's definitely one that will benefit the agriculture community and pollination and crops and everything. And it's just supporting the bees in general. And any Chesapeake Bay, any Chesapeake Bay watershed, uh, updates there is plenty of updates with that you know keeping on the ball with wilt he just today on friday he put out a bill that would goes towards best management practices and that's being something looked at with this chesapeake bay watershed implementation plan with its draft three that came out earlier last year and you know this all in the end goes into playing with you know, cleaning our waterways and making sure the Chesapeake Bay is healthy and how the agriculture community plays into that is, you know, we have our phosphorus and nitrogen levels that play into the health of the bay. And to meet these plans, we have to get those levels to a certain area where there's only a certain amount of pounds that are entering the waterways. And, you know, these drafts have shown that the agriculture community is making some progress and moving towards that, but we just got to keep it at a certain level 
And so today, Tony Wilt filed a bill to create a tax credit for the implementation of certain agriculture best management practices. And this can be anything from, you know, your streamlined fencing to anything that would improve the water quality in Virginia's streams and rivers, you know, soil erosion control, nutrient and sediment filtration and you know, we already have this program for BMPs and, you know, you, you'll get money back if you do this, but you have to do it like a, follow all the steps for it. So this is just creating another way for if someone doesn't want to do the grant process, they can get a tax credit for it. So it's just opening another way for people to, you know, get that incentive, get involved and not just do it voluntarily where they're not getting any credit for it. You know, it's giving credit to the people who are doing this work and keeping at it and, helping to clean up the bay from our end here in the valley and uh so now a little segment we we like to call local guys to follow uh what's going on we'll come up with a theme song for this at some point uh or maybe not what's going on with uh our 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 local uh representatives and senators yeah so our local guys here i mean most of the bills that they have put out you know most of them are already filed so we have an idea of what's happening but there are a few that um, have actually already made it past the subcommittee and have a f- least a number to put towards it as far as a vote. You know, we have Delegate Rob Bell that is more in the Albemarle area. His bill passed through a subcommittee on Thursday that would make it easier for school nurses to stock um, ab- abtural asthma inhalers and to administer the medication to students. So uh, under current law right now, school nurses can only administer the inhaler if the student himself or herself has a prescription and provides that medication. So this is just, you know, helping those people out. And, you know, he said on Thursday that this issue was presented to him by an Albemarle County school nurse who ended up testifying on the subcommittee yesterday. And the bill passed unanimously, 6-0, and it's going to be taken up to the full Health and Welfare and Institutions Committee here soon. Not sure when that's going to happen, but it's at least moving forward. And then we finally got to look at what Senator Mark Openshane is going to be dealing with this year. You know, last week we didn't have any update as to whether what he was going to be proposing, but this week we know we got dozens of bills coming on his end and one that's standing out is dealing with Interstate 81. And so what he has proposed a bill, a session that would limit the motor vehicle fuel sales tax to areas where a portion of Interstate 81 is located. So I'm still waiting to hear some more information. And I've requested to get an interview with him shortly just to figure out, you know, why put this through? I mean, Interstate 81 has been... A legislative issue for a few years now, and Open Chain has been one who's been on the leading this on. And I mean, with 81, we also have Senator Emmett Hanger. He's proposing another bill that would impose an additional 2.1% wholesale gas tax to any county or city outside of Northern Virginia or the Hampton Roads region or the 81 corridor where a tax is already imposed. So still need to get some more information as to what his plans on for that. We knew he was doing something regarding Interstate 81, but we weren't sure what. So, I mean... Interstate 81 is still on the eyes for our legislators down in Richmond. It's just depending on, you know, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing for us? Yeah, I mean, it better be. I mean, Interstate 81 needs to be on their eyes along with, like, you know, we've talked about agriculture as well. 
Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that none of this is getting done Monday, that Monday is going to be just insanity down there. There are already some committee meetings being canceled for Monday. I mean, the session is still set to happen. You know, that could change. Uh, we, never, we don't really know what's what the magnitude of this is going to be on Monday, but there are some committee chairs who are canceling their meetings for the day to either allow people to just not be near Richmond or to go home for the day or just, you know, we're seeing some movement going along and prepare for what's about to happen. Well, I guess uh, just some final thoughts, Jessica, as you get ready for to uh, eat a McGriddle at four in the morning and drink a cup of coffee. I'm assuming they serve breakfast at McDonald's at four in the morning and uh, head uh, and talk to people who are heading down to uh, lobby day. Uh, any final thoughts on where the session's at and where it looks to be going? I mean, the session this week is completely different than last week. We're at least getting a full week under our belt. But going into next week with starting the week off with this rally, you know, this may rattle the box in a little bit. You know, we don't really quite know if this is going to stir the pot or just cause some tensions. You know, this could, they may take more uh, votes on gun legislation or it may not may postpone some stuff. We don't know what this magnitude is going to be in the what's going to happen afterwards, but we're we're getting there. We're moving and things are happening that weren't able to happen before whether people are in agreement with it or not, but things are happening this session. So hopefully it continues to move and things go smoothly down there and it doesn't seem as hectic and crazy. <laughs> Fantastic. Jessica, again, how can they follow you on Twitter? Yes, I'm at Twitter at Wetzler underscore Jessica. And then you can follow me on Facebook at journalist Jessica Wetzler. And if you all, any listeners out there are heading down to Lobby Day, just remember, be safe, be smart, come home. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Thank you so much.